You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. This week we are here back talking about Hulu's new show, The Great. This is episode two of that show, The Beard. So, before we get into that, let's get into everybody's week's watch. Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? Uh, so this week, we only get to the movie I had to watch in our quarantine exchange. Um, but I watched, I finally saw Across the Universe for the first time. Mm-hmm. It, so I mean, I, I like musicals, so it was at least a benefit for me very much in that way. The, the stories are very different, but the style of storytelling reminded me a lot of like Avenue Q or Rent where you're dealing with much bigger societal changes or societal issues by bringing it very close into the singular. Um, So that's always interesting to me, but I always struggle with those kinds of stories because they don't have much going on in them in terms of bigger storyline because you end up with so many fractured stories. The one interesting difference was Max was not the uh, main character in the story, which in most instances of these kinds of musicals, he would be as the rich white kid. So that was kind of nice. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good movie, I guess. Not really my thing, but it was a good movie. There you go. Not really her thing, but a good movie. <laughs> how how did you feel about the actual music, the versions of the songs that they did? Yeah. Besides the Bono I'm, one, because the Bono one's trash. Yeah, I was gonna say I liked most of them. <laughs> there were a couple that were like, oh, I don't think that was the right choice. But and I was a little bummed that Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was only the credit song. Cause I was mm. like, that should yeah. have been somewhere in the actual storyline. And I'm sad and that they we did have the name. What? They used the name. They used the name. Well, they also used Max's name, but no, not that song. So, yeah. But yeah. And I had to wait the whole movie for Hey Jude. So, ridiculous. But yeah, no. So, uh, for the most part, I liked the music choices. There's there's one song from that movie, the If I Fell song that she sings that that's my favorite version of the song over the original Beatles song. Oh okay. because she slows it down so much. I actually I sing it all the time. It's one of my favorites from the actual movie. 
That's fair. I I tend to like a faster beat to the music, so I prefer the original. <clears throat> but I forget. Did they do "While My Guitar Gently Weeps" in that musical? Yes. Yes. Okay, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, Jojo does it right after him and Sadie break up, and uh, and after uh, Lucy leaves Jude. Yeah. Mm. Because I don't know if I've ever told you guys about this, but that I think the entire existence of the Beatles is there just to have made that song possible. <laughs> Reasonable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think it's one of the greatest songs written in the last hundred years. Like, no contest. And then wow. how do you feel about that version of the song? Yeah. I, I didn't remember whether it happened or not, so I don't know. <laughs> the, movie, the movie came out, what, 2009? 2008? 2007. 2007. Yeah. So, I, listen, man, I don't remember what happened a large portion of high school. Uh, and it's been 10 years since I even graduated that. So, okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so Across the Universe is one of the movies I made Elizabeth watch uh, from my list. It's just <laughs> something that I enjoyed when it came out. I, I mean, I still enjoy it, but it's still a musical. So, it's still not high on my list but i still like it okay uh it was on dvd if you have fox movies or fx movies on your hulu account you can get it but otherwise you it's not streaming anywhere so there you go mm-hmm. um steven would you watch this week so for mine uh i was torn i i was bouncing around between a lot of different series um there's one that you and I had talked about, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is that one that you're going to use for your things this week? Uh, do I have anything else? No, I don't have it. Yeah, so that's that's going to be what I talk about. Okay, so I watched a series called uh, Doro Hidoro on Netflix. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a new uh, anime series um, based off of a, a manga. That's this long running thing. Um, it's a CG series. Uh, and we, we've talked about CG anime series a couple times recently because of John getting into High Score Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically hate CG anime series, even if they're ones that lean into it and have um, just like flat out a CG style, like more like, say, like Pixar kind of thing. There's no emulated lines, no cell shading or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Doro Hidoro is like perfect. I, there's like, if, if you were to pause it, on any frame it doesn't look like cg it looks like it's drawings the only thing that gives it away ever is the clean movement of things there's not as much bend and snap to anything but it's very good um the main series is it's a pretty classic kind of like anime pitch thing um it's more the tone that really sells it for me but the the thing for it is that there's one guy this main character who um he's like normal like big muscle kind of guy um and then his head is replaced with that of like a like a lizard or a crocodile, um, and he's trying to find the. Sing it. I said, yeah, you know, like like you do. <laughs> yeah, this, this happens all the time in Florida. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So he's trying to find the the person who did this to him, and try to get it undone that way. There's two worlds that like exist kind of parallel to each other, or at least like in different parts of the same world. Um, one is the magic world that's supposed to be pure, beautiful, and nice and anything, which isn't really. But um, then there's this other place that's called the hole, 
And it's kind of like this like dumping ground. It's like the back alley of everything. The whole place is only made up of back alleys um, where everything's messed up. And the, the people who use magic come there to do experiments on people with their magic. And I don't know, the tone of it's just so good. The opening credit sequence, uh, it's, it's amazing. I, I, I think the only person in this entire cast that's here right now talking about things that might enjoy it would be John. But it's very good. Okay. <laughs> so John, have you check it out yet? I have not seen it, no, but I'm curious now. John, John, will you do me a favor? During the next person's uh, week's watch, when they, that they say, will you go and watch the opening sequence for that show? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so is there anything comparable to this show? Like the idea of it? Like, you know, something else that other people would watch that we could latch on to? Uh... I mean, people who who liked a lot of the like weird anime of the early two thousands. Um, what was the? I forget the name of it right now. Dang it! There's a kid with a baseball bat. He's just going around on rollerblades. Fully Cooly? Oh no! no that's, Fully Cooly um, is Paranoia. Thank you, Paranoia Agent. Yeah, um, yeah. People who liked Paranoia Agent, this might be for them. Um, or anyone who really liked that the movie series or the short film series was the the one we just talked about last week. With John, I'm still bad with names right now. I just woke up, um, <laughs> but it's a. Uh, I don't know if you like hypo crazy color things. If Mandy ever looked good to you, go ahead and give this a shot. <laughs> there you go. Those are some solid uh, choices to to go next to. So that is on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Jessica, what is your week's watch? Okay, guys. I found something happy to watch. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I know. Um, I'm actually almost finished with it. I think I have one more episode, but my mom and I started watching the show Sweet Magnolias on Netflix. So, yeah, I think it's like one of the top tens on Netflix right now, so it's pretty easy to find. Um, but it's it's based off of, I want to say it's Susan Collins. She's a romance author. It's based off of one of her series. And the it's basically about this woman who finds out, you know, in the South that finds out her husband cheated on her and got his mistress pregnant. And so she's in the, the middle of getting divorced and she has two best friends and one of her best friends is an awesome lawyer and the other one is a chef. And they all decide to go in together to buy this old mansion of a house and turn it into a beautiful day spa called sweet magnolias and so it's and then of course there's a bunch of romance involved because it's a based off of a romance novel series and so it's it's just really happy filled with that nice southern charm it still has its drama and occasional sad moments but as a whole it's a romance novel story like you know what you're getting when you come into it and actually the acting's pretty good um it's got i looked it up Uh, Joanna Garcia is like the lead. Brooke Elliott's in it, and Jamie Lynn Spears is in it too. And actually, she does a pretty good. What? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was, <laughs> I was like Zoe One Hundred and One flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, did, did, yeah. Does she have a child in this? No, but she's pregnant in it. 
She's the mistress. That's pretty it. much. She can play yeah. that. That's. I know. She's picking it's, up where she left off. Yeah. She, no. She. Yeah. She does a great. She actually does a great job. I really like. At first, you kind of sort of like hate the role, but then you're like, you start to empathize with her. Like, and the ex-husband guy is such a such a well-written like asshole. Like, thinks he's not an asshole, but is an asshole as, kind of person. As is common in those stories. Yeah. For- um, um, Naima watched this, and the one thing that she told me about it when she was watching it was that it reminded her of Heart of Dixie in like tone. Yeah, I can see that. I, yeah, I didn't get too much into Heart Heart of Dixie, but yeah, it's kind of that same kind of Southern charm tone drama <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, is there any one particular person, uh, actor's like uh, performance that sticks out to you? No, I actually think they they all do a pretty good job. Um, it's the writing I like more than anything. Nice, easy flow writing. Um, there's a lot of kid actors on it, and and they too pretty good too. Um, I don't think I knew them from anything, but they all do pretty good. And it's just I I really like the lawyer character too. She's she's very strong. That's played by Heather Hadley. Yeah. And very strong Southern lawyer gets things done. She does a mock trial with kids and her thing is she's getting older and hasn't had kids yet. And she's kind of sort of feeling that clock ticking kind of thing, but she's still strong, powerful, independent woman. And did you ever all, see, yeah. Did you ever mm-hmm. see the movie? No, I never saw the movie. I didn't realize there was, I just, I literally was. Steel looking, yeah. This oh no! Sweet this is this is sweet magnolias. Yeah, this oh, is different. Okay. But that's what I thought. I was flipping through Netflix and I see what I thought I originally read was Steel Magnolias, and I was like, "They read mm-hmm. it, Steel Magnolias? What the?" And then I watched the trailer for it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, thank God." I was like, <laughs> I was "Like, how could?" Honestly, they? I think I'd be down for a, a new Steel Magnolias if they had. Uh, who was it that did Little Women recently? Is that Greta Gerwig? Yeah, Greta yeah. Gerwig. Yeah, yeah and just have just have Greta Gerwig read you everything, please. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd actually be there for that. I think I'm with you because I, I do like Steel Magnolias, the original. Yeah. Is this the same writer that did the Twilight books? Is that Suzanne Collins? No. no. Oh, you know what? Maybe I think I different know. spelling for Suzanne. Oh, okay. Because yeah. that was my first thought too. Uh, Susan Collins. That was for the Hunger Games. No, no, that's Hunger oh, Games. Hunger Games. Sorry. Oh, maybe it's not Susan Collins. Hold on, let me find out who the. The writer of the novel. Oh, the writer of it is. Susan Collins was in, but it probably was in my thing because I just saw the new Hunger Games book while I was shopping. Uh-huh. So Gotcha. My roommates have it, and they just haven't started it. They've had it since day one, and I'm just like, let me take it then. Oh, it's Cheryl Woods. Cheryl Woods, the, yes, the writer of Woods. Sweet Green Noise. Yeah. My bad. Okay. <laughs> Make sure we get these authors right. I know. <laughs> All right, so um, that is on Netflix right now. Did someone else have a question? For, for that one? No, I, I wanted to check in with John. Okay, well, that's where <laughs> we're going next. John, did okay. you have a chance to do your homework while Jessica was talking? Yes, did, you, did you watch uh, it with audio? No, I just looked strictly oh. at the intro visuals and... Um, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad you didn't hear it with the audio because the audio accompanies it really well. I, I could tell, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is very EDM inspired or something. It's got a, it looks like the visuals are very uh, inducive to hallucinatory reactions, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It looks like uh, Gaspar Noé with a hint of David Cronenberg in there, from what I could tell. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to check that out next time for uh, next week. So tune in for that review. Uh, I'm excited for you. From Steven. Yeah, my regular week's watch this week is actually an anime that just suggested. And uh, yeah, this was right up my alley. Perfect. I loved it. It was great. The The Devil is a Part-Timer. Watched the whole first season of it, and it's it was so cute. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Like it's got a great premise. It starts off super serious. It almost feels like it could be a Castlevania story with the epicness. It's a like grand, um, uh, like sequence of you know these uh, demonic beings being fended off by a uh, like a holy hero essentially. Like it's very you know, out there like that. And then the devil gets banished to our realm and um, literally has like limited powers, can barely get by. So him and his only lieutenant that came with him have to come up with part-time jobs. And it's just, what I love is just the minutia of, you know, what it's like to try to make it, you know, as a basically two bachelors in Japan with no, uh, <laughs> with no real skills. I mean, he starts working at a McRonald's. Yeah, McDonald's. McDonald's. It's, it's not even McRonald's. It's NG Ronald's, which messed me up to an extra degree. <laughs> I'm guessing that's like a like a translation thing where they're like, ah, eh, G, C, whatever. It's the same thing. Or something. Yeah. Like, we don't know what kanji means. It's just the little shapes. So, yeah, but he's actually really good at it. And he's legitimately trying to work his way up the ladder of, like, command there. And he just John, what, extreme what's pride the, in his work. <laughs> what's the first thing that you see him try to excel at selling in there? Um, I was like, pepper do you fries. remember them? Yeah, and he's just like, ah, oh, yes, the pepper fries. I can upsell them with an extra drink because they're extra peppery. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> just like that, and like him having arguments with his like roommate slash evil lieutenant over budgeting and they're living off of cucumbers with flavor jelly and <laughs> i didn't realize that was the thing like i, I kind of thought that was a joke but like no that really is something that people do is you get cucumbers you slice them up you put flavor jellies so they could taste like a melon or like something yeah. else because i guess cucumbers are kind of neutral and i was like I, man like they really are living kind of like just paycheck to paycheck here yeah Actually, one of my favorite moments in the anime is probably in the first episode in which, like, you get that whole beginning of, like, these two evil demon characters fighting it out, and then they get kind of sort of arrested by the cops, and the lieutenant guy, super evil demon, is, like, utterly amazed by eating katsudon. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. such a cute little juxtaposition that I was, like, sold the minute I saw that scene. I was like, this is gonna be a great anime. At first, the devil's trying to break down what it is, and he's naming off all the ingredients. It's like, it looks like a fried fish inside something with noodles or whatever, and he's, like, super suspicious of it. Then he walks in on his lieutenant, and he's just scarfing it down. It's just like, (laughs) what is this thing? It's just, the character interactions are just so great. I mean, like, the, the way they talk to each other is so deadpan that, like, the humor could almost fly by you. But like, I love this one sequence where uh, they took in, um, not going to ruin you know too much of the story, but they take in somebody to spend the night with them just mm-hmm. out of generosity. Because for some reason, 
um, when he came over to this world, the devil just isn't evil anymore. Like he's still ambitious, but he's not like wanting to cause harm or anything. Like he's not a conqueror like he was in his own dimension. So him and his roommate the next morning, they see that their guest has already left. And the devil notices that their key is on the floor next to their kitchen window. And the lieutenant says, uh, why is the key over there? And the devil basically comes up with the whole premise. It's like, oh, well, she must have gotten up early before we woke up, you know, went outside, locked the door, and then threw the the key through the window so that, you know, it, she wouldn't take off with it. And then the, <laughs> the lieutenant says, oh, well, I would have just taken off with the key. <laughs> the devil <laughs> demon. <laughs> like, that's great that's just a great interaction with you you really get to know who they are just by their conversation and i mean typical me there there was there, there's not a lot of like perverted humor um and i wouldn't even say that this is played that much for the uh the fan service but there is another character who's like a teenager who has a crush on the devil and she has like a really large rack and the hero character one. is what was that it's like there always has to be one large rat girl on a <clears throat> Yeah. And um, the hero character, who's a female, like she doesn't make a big deal about it all the time, but every now and then it just irks her that <laughs> this other character just has like a much bigger, you know, chest than her. Like it it's not a thing that should be important, but there's just a small part of her that's bothered by that. <laughs> the, the the hero of legend has very big like on the outside, she's like, like Satan, like you will be destroyed. And inside, she has like these like crazy neuroses that she's going through about stuff. It's it's a good time. It's great. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if this show is for everybody. Um, I mean, you definitely would have to like anime to even probably come across it. But I think it kind of, uh, I don't know, it it transpires uh, certain boundaries. I think it's enjoyable on its own. Because just such an interesting story. It's kind of fun. Um, it's got some pretty good action. The animation's great. The character designs are pretty good. And uh, the story actually keeps evolving. Like, they definitely have, like, a direction it seems like they're going. And I kind of, I think it's only one season so far, even though I think it came out, like, a couple years ago. That's it. It was just that one limited series. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So then I feel yeah. like I need resolution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you're gonna dive back into short animes, you're gonna get that a lot. By the way, is not a lot of resolution, unfortunately. Yeah, it was based off of a light novel series too. So, and I don't know if the novel series has a resolution either. I haven't looked into it yet. Well, it was. I honestly don't know on its own. Um, and then the other thing I watched. Uh, I mean, we'll get more into detail at some point because it's not done yet, and Mitch and I need to do this together. I'm sure. Uh, but I started watching Westworld season three. Uh, so just as some initial impressions, I wasn't looking forward to this season because I thought, what are they going to do? You know, I know they're they're off the park now. Spoiler alert. Um, what? Where could this possibly go? You know, I wasn't too thrilled where it, I, it, I was pretty sure it was going to disappoint me. I still have bitter feelings about, you know, Game of Thrones. And um, I am pleasantly surprised. And I have to say that this is probably my favorite season so far. But it's a dramatic shift in tone and in story. Um, mm. I guess the best way to kind of explain that is like, imagine going from Captain America, the first Avenger, to Winter Soldier. Where like mm. the backbone is the same, but like <laughs> everything else is totally different. And I really dig it. It's 
great the the future setting that they're doing. I'm not sure where they're filming. It might be Australia from the look of some of the architecture, but man, it's just everything looks great about this future environment, the future world. Uh, the special effects, I feel like they really ramped it up a bit more. Um, there's some that look a little dicey, like there's a little bit of uh, like chappy stuff going on here and there that you can tell was still under a TV budget, but it overall looks great. The the production design, um, I mean, there's like Elon Musk cyber trucks and taxis everywhere. It looks uh, like they really did their due diligence with a lot of this stuff as far as predicting how things are going to go and move forward. Um, and some of the same, the basic questions that we've had before about, well, what does it mean to be conscious and do you have free will? Like that's still explored, but they really kick it up a bit here. Like it, it goes further than that now. And I'm like, holy shit. And I just finished watching episode five, I believe, out of a eight episode season. And mm-hmm. this last one, I was like, holy shit. I did not see this twist coming. <laughs> and it was pretty awesome. Like it just, it. I like that it still can keep me guessing. And um, I don't know. I, I, this is a show that I'm going to have to do some serious homework on and go back and research old posts on Reddit about things that happened. Because I'm sure I'm missing things left and right with yeah. uh it's uh, I mean, it's famous for having Easter eggs that you kind of have to freeze frame in order to catch, uh, like things on screen that have codes or uh, uh, like links to stuff that actually lead to real world things that give you more information or to like fake websites that are within the world. Um, hmm. That kind of stuff is really awesome. And they have this recurring motif of like, uh, you know, like in the movie, uh, what is it called? Arrival. They have the alien languages, like those circles. They mm-hmm. have a sort of a similar motif that you keep seeing throughout the show um, where it's a white background with like a black circle with um, it looks like kind of like little bits of cityscapes sort of sticking out around the edges. And it keeps <clears> saying <throat> divergence or anomaly detected. And it has like a bunch of coordinates and stuff like that. And I was like, what does this mean? And then I was like, oh, OK, As you start to piece things together about what's going on. And I was like, oh, man, this is cool. <clears throat> like it's still you're happening. selling me on this series. It's well, like I said, the first two seasons are almost like a complete departure to what this is. Um, this but, sounds way better. Yeah, this this. I mean, if you start cold on this season, you can. Um, but they spend no time establishing who anybody is. They just hit the ground running. Just um, read the wiki so, and then watch a third season. I, yeah, you could watch like a quick, like fifteen minute video that just catches you up on the first two. I mean, you'll miss a lot of the nuance, but you'll at least kind of know where we are. And um, yeah, if you hit, if you just start on season three, which I really think you can, I wouldn't recommend it, but it definitely is like, whoa, like this is some interesting stuff that they're dealing with right now. Like, just really, I think really I might cool. do it. I just, the first season is like when people first, uh, when Black Mirror first came out and everyone's like, oh yeah, the first episode, you had sex with the pig. And mm-hmm. so I didn't watch Black Mirror for like three years. <laughs> uh, and then, the, <laughs> huh? That's what sold me on it. I'm like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, just for um, <clears throat> for Westworld, everyone was like, yeah, I know, and there's these people, and people just have sex with them all the time. And I was like, I don't, why? Why, guys? <laughs> well, see, and, oh, man, Lynn. I, I, I watched I, Ex Machina for the same reason. Well, see, part of it, it oh, man, I don't even want to go too much into it, because, like, I guess the basic <laughs> premise is kind of that, yeah, is you have a... Um, you know, like basically it's a Disneyland where all the animatronics are essentially replicants. 
Um, so, uh, you know, at some point in their history, they were, uh, you know, fake flesh over metal ex endoskeletons. Now they're almost entirely 3D printed flesh with, I think, only the brain is now like circuitry or electronics. Everything mm -hmm. else, like they can still bleed. They have bones, essentially. Um, and yeah, like you can basically go there and do whatever you want. This is the Old West. Uh, you can be a white hat or a black hat, essentially. And um, it's like playing a role-playing game because, um, you know, depending if you're a white hat or a black hat, that's going to determine if you go down like a hero storyline, per se, or like a, a villain storyline. There's, there's no like Gandalf the Grey hat? No. <laughs> no. I mean, and within those, you can still make your decisions. <clears throat> it sort of guides how the story's going to go for you. Like everybody goes on a narrative and... Um, like you can kill a character, but they'll just get reset the next time the story starts again. Um, so I mean, they're basically immortal, but they get their memories wiped, or at least they're supposed to. Hint, hint. And then, um, yeah. So the whole thing is like these things that are just machines that are programmed start to develop sentience, or so we think, or maybe that's just part of a grander narrative or storyline. And that's how the whole thing just kind of goes along. And the first season. Again, I don't want to give too much away, but you really have to pay attention to what's going on because there's multiple stories that all intersect in interesting ways. The second season is it plays on the same idea of like non-linear time, but from the point of view of a fragmented like computer brain, I want to say. Um, and then this third one like just kind of eschews that a little bit. Like I said, it's a complete tonal shift, but it's it ramps up the whole idea of like what does it mean to be uh, self-realized, an individual with free will, or if things are just predetermined for you by you know society or by this one big machine that's kind of in control of everything. So it's kind of like is <clears throat> regular humanity just a larger version of what's going on in the park, where everybody's essentially following an established path and they can't break out of it. Big questions. It's really interesting. I really, really am into this third season. Awesome. So Westworld is on any one of the HBO <laughs> uh, uh, options that you have out there right now. And Devil is a part-timer is where? Netflix. Netflix. Which, by the way, real quick uh, caveat to uh, Devil is a part-timer on Netflix. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a fan of dubs. I don't like reading because I don't always want to have my eyes glued to the screen. Sometimes I want to be able to like browse Reddit or something while I'm watching something. Um, this version, for some reason, even though it has credits for English cast, there's no English language dub on it. So you there was because I know when I first mm -hmm. watched it, it was dubbed. So I don't know what happened to it. And I'm well, and I watched it on Netflix. From having so, worked, it's a Funimation one, right? Uh, I believe so. Oh, but then yeah, it's probably on Funimation. They pulled all their stuff in-house. Like, Funimation had this weird, like, <clears throat> licensing kind of shift, like, maybe eight, nine months ago, where they started just taking all their stuff back in-house. Yeah, and that tends to happen. Like I said, I used to work at Netflix, and uh, we, know, we learned firsthand that those kind of things happen all the time. I don't know if you heard, but, well, yeah, I think you talked about it last time that Back to the Future 2 was a slightly edited version. Mm -hmm. 
And <laughs> I thought it was kind of weird because I watched it too. I went through the whole trilogy out of order for some reason. I think I watched two, then three, then one. Um, oh, I know why, because that's how I watched Star Trek or Star Wars when I first started it. <laughs> I started with Empire, then Jedi. Um, but anyway, yeah, I saw that scene and I was like, I thought I remembered like this scene was a little longer. You know, I didn't like, remember anything for it. Not like it was super gratuitous, but he flipped through the book a few times and you got to see like the pages, even though they weren't like really nude or anything or just very <clears> minor. Um, and yeah, he just kind of flipped through it once and put it away. And I was like, wow, like, am I stroking right now? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and, no, yeah. Then I found out later, people were like, oh, they edited. What kind of tyranny is this? This is why you need physical media, because then when it's digital, they'll just do whatever they want with it. This is like a brave new world or I don't know. They're just talking all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, Netflix was like, oh, sorry, our bad. Like, Paramount sent us, like, a European version or something like that. And I was like, yeah, they said it. More nudity if it was a European version. But apparently it was just edited it, specifically for one region. And they, like, they got the wrong one uploaded in America also. Mm -hmm. so, yep. Yeah, that exactly. happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like you guys need to do, like, a anime show you know, weekly kind of thing we all have. i thought i thought geekly had one of those we don't, we don't. <laughs> daniel he had a dragon ball one like that was a long time ago if there's one series that could support its own podcast though it's probably dragon ball assuming you're watching from the beginning yeah um, we could do bleach never... naruto oh good god for the uh for the Podcast, I suggest call it the anime niacs. Okay, I think I, I feel like I remember something being called that. Uh -huh. I'm sure it's dang it. Trust me, if it's clever, it's been taken already by the podcast. Yeah. No, the, the, the cartoon from the 90s, yeah, well, anime, oh, uh, well, yeah, another couple letters, yeah, yeah, but you always switch out the, the E for anime. I feel like Steven Spielberg is going to be super litigious yeah. about it. Yeah, we're, we're still in trouble. <laughs> well, to throw on top of the anime pile, I guess I did have another thing to talk about, Steven. I'm sorry. Um, <gasps> I still, I, I finished. I finished all of um, Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop. Bebop. I just yeah. did not. I've not watched the movie yet because I can't find it streaming anywhere. But. Uh, yeah, the the whole series is on Hulu, and I finished all twenty six episodes of it. And yeah, <laughs> how'd you feel at the end? I felt like the end of the series season series is exactly the same as every end of every one of those episodes. Like, <laughs> get to something, and they're like, "Nah, eh, we're done." Like, <laughs> ends when it's. <laughs> A plot point is about to happen or just happened. It, like they all, it's always build up, build up, build up, and then yep, done. No resolution. <laughs> so much no resolution because they 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 all kind of come together and be like, yes, it's done. Like it happened, and then that's it. But like they don't expand on the in interesting part. We keep getting all this character build up of these side characters that you never see again in any other episodes. And it just done. Like you spent the whole season, twenty six episodes, talking about this Julia character, and you get mm -hmm. her in the last two episodes, and 
and then she dies. Sorry, spoilers, but <laughs> spoilers for like twenty year old anime series. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> it. I don't get the storytelling. Like it doesn't make sense so, to me. Think, think of it like it reframed that whole idea to a creator that you love a lot. Like okay. let's say I don't, I don't know. This probably doesn't work, but say Joss Whedon, right? Okay. And Joss, Joss Whedon, there's this brand new series he's going to tell, and there's going to be a main cast of characters who are all likable and interesting characters, but then they're just like the backbone for you having a whole new story every single episode about a new place they land. This is Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, yeah, that's, but- that's the pitch for it. <laughs> but they're all noiry. But But Star Trek still <laughs> follows like a story of setup you know, conflict, climax, and then ending like thing. This does not follow that. It just goes set up, set up, set up, end. I thought <laughs> I you're, not, you're not supposed to live in these it, it had a climax. I swore the bigger plot point was relieved at the end. I felt what? that, but I definitely understand why he wouldn't. But yeah, I could see why you don't, but I and don't... maybe it's because I've watched it multiple times. But maybe. Like I only did the once movie. The, mo- the movie I, happens outside of canon entirely. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the rest of the series. It has nothing to do with it. Yeah, you don't need to watch the movie. But um, that one, however, does have a beginning, middle, and end. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, even I mean, like, like the whole character. Go ahead. The, the whole point of it is Julia and his past, and his past is what comes back to him at the end, and then you finally he gets resolution with his past in a way. In the way that you get resolution with past sometimes. That and is they finally and, and get... that's and that's also a trait of noir in general. Like it's just very noir in general. So, so anybody listening can't watch Mitch's face as you're both <laughs> attempting to defend this. So I'm going to describe it. It's this twisting of like, they're my friends, I want to believe them, but I can't I can't bring myself to believe them in this. Which did did they? There was one story beat that went across the entire thing. Yeah. Did they finally get to have a good dinner? No. We <laughs> <laughs> well, are starving, and <laughs> food is never coming. And Ed and Ian like eat anything that's in front of them, but then also <laughs> nothing's ever there. Like the whole episode where they're on mushrooms is just like, what is going on? I I don't I don't get it. like. <laughs> Very much, the last four episodes is all about Ed getting. Mm-hmm. You find out about his past like in an instant. Uh, you, I would love to know more about Ed's father. Like that seems like an interesting, <laughs> laid out fucking uh, super cool dude. I can't think of his Spike? name. Spike. Spike. Yes, lays him out uh-huh. like nobody's business and doesn't even break. <laughs> Uh, but we don't get any more of that. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and then uh, Jet, like, okay, yeah, he, you got more about him being a cop. But that's it. You're cool. <laughs> and Spike, finally, Spike and Vicious face off. That was over really quick for a thing that built up over uh, 14 episodes. It, it would happen real fast. But I mean, in a cool visual way, though. Sure. No. <laughs> what? We're not. No, it was awesome. It. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to sell him on. That's fine. He's like, he's already done the main thing. He watched it. Our mission yeah. is accomplished, Jess. But no, <laughs> I just like 
I don't know. For me, I I can't speak as a person who is an adult human being watching this series. Um, yeah. I certainly take plenty of issues with series that don't give me a full thing. I watched it at a point in my life where something that was just like, here's an interesting idea. Here's another interesting idea would have been more than fine for me. Cause I'll just take that and run with it with my imagination at this point in my life. I'm like, fucking give me something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like it could be because I've watched so many weirder animes that really did have no plot or anything mm-hmm. that was understandable that I'm like, yeah, cowboy bebop's good. Like it follows something. And that's did, did, like, did you, watch- you don't think it does. <laughs> Did you watch Wolf's Rain? Yes. Because boy, love- that was a but, but that's that, a trash I- fucking anime. There's yeah, nothing. <laughs> Literally the only thing I like about it is the wolves. And then everything yeah. else about it, I'm like, what is happening? What does this mean? I was like, don't tell There's- me. Don't tell me this is a metaphor for that, because no. <laughs> <laughs> like and I think that's probably it's- why I like Cowboy Bebop, because when it comes to anime, Cowboy Bebop's the most like normal. Like, it's pretty succinct. The only the thing I would say is uh, I did last night, actually, while browsing new HBO stuff, um, I started watching Samurai Champloo again, mm-hmm. which is uh, a samurai hip hop series by the same creator as Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. That one has a pretty, pretty solid story. That one's actually. But, really does it follow? I don't wanna, I don't, I was gonna okay. say, does it follow Andy the Samurai, formerly known as Andy the Cowboy? Yeah, no. I remember that character from Cowboy Bebop. So get off my case. <laughs> no, dude, no, the, the best character takes the, place in like Han Dynasty, Japan. It just happens to have a hip hop flair to it, and it actually does. It does have a solid one plot streaming along the whole episode, mm-hmm. and you do get resolution at the end. Okay. More but you do Cowboy get side Bebop. characters, so watch out. <laughs> yeah, you do get side characters that you may not know the full story of, but actually is a full resolution. The ending will, is a solid ending. <laughs> I will say this. I am excited to see what Netflix does with the live action version of this show with mm-hmm. uh, John Cho. And I honestly don't remember who the rest of the cast is, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I want to see like how much they departure and how much people who are fans of the anime are going to hate it because Can I don't I ca- tell the same st- style of storytelling in a live action. I agree. I yeah. I want I don't want them to use John Cho though. No, you don't. I Why? want them to use Eugene from the Try Guys. I don't know who that is. <laughs> if you look at, like just, like I can't send you a picture right now, but just Eugene from the Try Guys, like type in like Eugene Try Guys into Google and tell me he doesn't look more like Spike forever. Now is that but, Eugene, or is that Try Guys with an I or Try with a Y? Uh, with a Y. But yeah, no, I, I yeah. like John Cho is great. He, he like, guy, that guy looks like it. Sorry. I mean, I, the pictures that Elizabeth just showed me, it, it makes sense. It's just why John Cho, John Cho, like he's, he's great. He's awesome. <laughs> he, I think he's bankable. He, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. He's got a name. Mm-hmm. Got a name but Kevin Bebop is also the name. So like, eh. Yeah, but it's not the name for most people. Like general audiences aren't going to know the anime. Like you can pull people. Yeah, there you go. You can pull in people that, like me. I I didn't I didn't watch Cowboy Bebop, but I I watched uh, all the Harold and Kumars. So I I know John Cho. 
that's why I don't think it'll work though, because that's what people know him from. Like, sure, he's Sulu and everything too, but like, mm, is he really though? <laughs> <laughs> to me, he'll always be one of the MILF guys from American Pie. That's right. He's from the, the, the first American Pie movie. He came up with the MILF word. <laughs> uh, so my other show, which, like I said, that was on Hulu. Uh, my other show that I watched through the whole season of uh, on the day it dropped Space Force from Netflix. This was the show that Steven and I were talking about that I stole from him to talk about this season, this, oh, okay. this episode. Uh, I got through the whole season. Uh, Steven, did you get through the whole season? Season? No, no. I'm at the same spot where we, t- we talked about it yesterday. I've watched two episodes. And John, did you have an opportunity to watch Space Force at all? I had this is the first time hearing of space wars really with steve steve carell the netflix show oh, space force space, space force yes i thought you i i i heard space horse oh no. <laughs> what is that i don't know the sequel to war horse they're calling space oh that was maybe like bojack horseman sequel or something oh no um, no no um i heard that it bombed terribly though no most of the critics are saying that it's just not uh, a show that they wanted that they weren't they weren't happy with it so um yeah it's it, i don't i wouldn't say that it, it's bombing i don't i mean i'm sure a lot of people are going to go to it especially general audiences that love steve Carell from the office this the thing is is that don't expect steve Carell from the office it's a completely different role if you if you watched any of the other shows that or movies that steve Carell's done you can tell that he's a wide range actor like uh oh yeah um the last Mm -hmm. uh uh, the one where he has to bury his son who died in the middle east during war Uh, i forget the name that one is but that's it's a great role for him this is just i think personally um steve carell was not best suited for the role that that he has in this now he now him and greg daniels are the co-creators of the show and he wrote the character for as much as he needed to he wanted it to be but it's just his his persona doesn't fit with what you see in the show i feel um he tries the, the the bumbling thing that he does in in the office but like that that particular character doesn't quite work for what this show is supposed to, or feels like it should be i felt weird i didn't believe a single interaction with any character ever and not in a way that like a comedy series normally is right but like to me, it feels like the character that Steve Carell is playing is more like the jokey, like entirely false persona um, that Stephen Colbert did for the Colbert Report. True. Like that would be like, ah, yes, that's this character. <laughs> I don't know. It's there's a big disconnect. The and there's the that scene early on with the the Russian guy, right. Bobby. Um, (laughs) uh, but yeah him in the beginning where he's in his office and there's clearly supposed to be some kind of like fake i I, like some plot thing going on in the background yeah i don't know if that ever comes to a resolution or anything no you can tell that that was a pilot and then that was an idea Mm. and they completely dropped the whole yuri storyline the rest of the season like you see him one more time in the whole show i feel like maybe one is that is it just when he drops off his daughter is that the only time? Uh, there's that time, and then there's a later time when after when the daughter breaks up with him. Like that's it. Ah, uh, okay. The, the Yuri storyline really gets dropped. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know what the decision there why was, but I mean, he was a terrible actor. I mean, the only other thing I saw him on was Unreal. If you've ever seen that show, but maybe it was mm-hmm. considered too overdone. I mean, the it, Russians are always spying on us. This is true. It, it could <laughs> really true. be that. Um, they definitely, you can tell that in the show, they, they switched to China being the enemy uh, of the yeah. of the series. So I think it's, yeah. uh, we don't, we don't want to talk about Russia or maybe like you're saying, it's a little too overdone with Russia. So let's just focus in on China. Um, I like a lot of the other side characters. The John Malkovich's character of Dr. Mallory was, is actually really, really charming. Um, mm-hmm. Jim, I think his name is Jimmy Wang. Is that the, the, Oh, one the, the one from, uh, Crazy Silicon Rich. Valley. Yeah. Yeah. And Silicon Valley and crazy rich Asians. Uh, I, I actually like him. Usually I don't care for him, but I liked him in mm-hmm. the show. Um, another is more muted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, another another character is the captain, the the female uh, helicopter captain. I feel like they decided to change her character mid show, also. Um, yeah, because she, towards the end of the season, she she's I don't know it, her character development is sped up a lot, and it it seems disjointed. Um, in the daughter, I just I, I I have issues with the way that they that most shows depict teenagers I, I mean i know i don't have a teenager i don't have kids i was a teenager at one time but it just doesn't i don't like the way that the shows usually depict teenagers so i don't care for her character um all in all i would say it's about it's average like it's not it's not a it's not a, a home run hit out of the park for me and but it, i also don't hate it so i don't yeah, know like if, if you were gonna oh good oh no i just i don't know if i'll watch season two is there even a season two happening? I'm sure there will be. They they really ended on a on a cliffhanger. Okay, because yeah, I I don't know. Like the after the first couple episodes, it seems like just a thing that you put on the TV in the living room as you walk back and forth to do laundry or something. <laughs> like hmm. how people watch The Office. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I don't. Even The Office feels like it has more stakes. It really does. But you know that first season of the American Office wasn't wasn't all that great. So. It's, no, no, no! You skipped the first season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, maybe they're thinking the same thing will happen here. Um, Jessica, did you have a chance to watch Space Force? No, it's definitely on my list, though. I think after we finish Sweet Magnolias, it's probably what my mom and I will watch next. Maybe. So. Okay. I watched the last episode with you. You did. You came in. <laughs> watched- <laughs> and what did you? What was your impressions from the last episode? I thought it was cute. I, it wasn't, it's definitely something that you can just kind of have on, which I kind of like those shows for a good chunk of it. Cause I, there are times where I don't want to really have to think all that hard about mm-hmm. my TV. Cause I'm busy doing other things or I've just mm-hmm. spent all day with my brain turned on for work and I could really use some decompression. So I thought it was cute. I liked it. I mean, I'm with you. I, but I always think that, shows because the daughter's storyline in that last episode was definitely over dramatic, but I feel like that's the way they always try. They try and portray teenagers is almost caricatures. Mm-hmm. Teenagers have to be very teenagery in, in shows so that we can all hate them together. 
You don't have very it, many mellow teenagers in TV shows. You're saying that in Freaky Friday, Lindsay Lohan's <laughs> character is not realistic? <laughs> I mean... What? <laughs> I mean, has any Lindsay Lohan character ever been realistic? I think that she plays unhinged person very well. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is true to character. And there are unhinged, unhinged teenagers. I don't think they ma- make up the vast majority of teenagers. Yeah, no, I agree. But then again, there, we have not yes, been in lockdown with a teenager for the last I mean, two and a half months. That's so. valid, but my dad does teach middle school math. And I feel like if they were all unhinged. like... Un- like they are in in the Hollywood movies, he would not survive, <laughs> or they would not survive. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> so. I mean, I, I think the main thing with teenagers, it's also reflected on like the parent relationship that they have over how unhinged and how typical teenagery they are, and the mm-hmm. angst. Because I mean, just neurologically there's a lot against teenagers They they do have a predisposition to being overly dramatic for thinking they are the son of the earth i mean it's a natural thing that teenagers have but like sweet magnolias actually has a pretty good representation of a teenager that's going through a hard time of his parents getting divorced and now is handling both and you could see like he slips up with his mom sometimes and takes things off but then he's quickly like oh i'm sorry like he realizes he went too far I definitely think they are showing that he's going to need more help later on, but it's, it's not a bad over the top, overly cliche version of a teenager, especially because of the situation that he's going through. And that actually is how his brain would personally react to it because teenagers have literally every single makeup of a teenage brain is against them to be dramatic and and everything like that. And Hollywood, but Hollywood does do overly cliche things with that thing because i wasn't a typical teenager in fact i didn't show my teenager years till probably college i had that teenager attitude with my parents whereas like before college i was ruining my life i know i I was like a late bloomer when it came to teenageness but um but just just there is some like it's not necessarily wrong to write them over dramatic but it definitely is all that you see I would say, got to get those homebody teenagers involved <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> okay, there you go. There's our week's watch for this week. Let's get into the great on Hulu. So, episode two, the beard. The beard. So, I want to start with everybody's first impressions of this episode, but I want to start with Mitch with you because you did <laughs> not so fond of it with the first episode just because it wasn't what you were expecting. So how are you feeling about it now? I mean, I know what I'm expecting now, but I still am going to say I'm not a fan of the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I, I guess the, the my biggest issue is that it just doesn't, it doesn't, not that I can't appreciate a show that puts you in a bad mood, but it just does not leave me in a good mood when after watching. Mm. Um, yeah, this this episode. I don't know. I just I don't like shows with just terrible people. Like I I need I need a reason for them to be terrible. I need like I I need something else. I need something else from uh, the Peter character. I need something else from the Grigor Grigor character. 
Like, I know we're watching the show about Catherine, so that's cool. Like, the moves she's making all work. I don't spend enough time with her, though. I feel. Okay. Like, this whole right. the whole scene with the court of Orlo and and Rostov and, and Peter and the ending that you get from that. It's just like, I don't want to be there. I don't care for this part of the show. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. Jessica, what about you? I liked it. <laughs> and I know I'm going to be in the minority. It's completely fine. No, I, I do see where you're at. And it is kind of sort of, I don't know. It's not hard to watch. I think I mentioned this like after the podcast last time that like, I'm kind of like immune to it because I'm like, yeah, that's about right. Like that's how women would be treated. Like, Oh, it could have been worse. Like that's probably like, I'm slightly immune because I'm, I just, yeah. So did you resonate with the, uh, the line of, Oh, how could I not be happy? You've given me a pet bear and have promised to stop punching me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, (laughs) Carol, well, that's great, and just like that whole conversation of her being like, mm, "BS, like, come on, dude, yay, you're not going to punch me anymore. That's not our issue." But it's just, I don't know. I I like it. There, I mean, like one of my favorite parts, just the the quick lines that you can barely hear, are just some Fair. like the juxtaposition. Uh-huh. Yeah, not even the bear, but there's like the part where they had the the heads on the platter, but the first thing that's said is him saying, Man, this fucking lemon tart's good. Like it's just, there's a head on your platter and the line isn't, oh god, there's a head on the platter by anybody else. It's literally just the king or emperor saying, This fucking lemon tart is good. Or in the beginning, just with the him realizing that the church is greedy and he's like, Are you fucking greedy? Like just it's such a weird wording that it, it I don't know I think the pacing of it works I think if it wasn't a comedy I wouldn't like it I'd be with you but because it has that weird writing element that kind of pulls you away from the reality of it is why it works for me I also know I, I am watching this with my mother too and she's kind of like she doesn't like over violence or over sexual or anything, but she's like, I still am. <laughs> yeah, I still am enjoying this. She's like, I wish that wasn't in it, but she's still watching it. And because I, I asked her, I was like, Are you still gonna watch this after this episode? But she's like, I'm still interested in the characters and in the general writing style. It's just, it is a little bit too much for her sometimes. She's like, I wish you didn't have to like the heads on the plate. Fine, but did you have to take the eyeballs out? Like. She didn't even watch that scene. She was like this, just like hovered down the entire time. She's like, Jess, can I look up yet? And I was like, no, no, they're going to extend this out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the way that works, because typically the idea is like the, like the kids watching a movie with their parents and they're like, oh, no, no. And they cover the kid's eyes and you're like, hold on, mommy, I help you. So, John, how did you feel about this episode? I... I really liked it. I think I'm kind of on uh, all the same points that Jess said. Um, a particular note, I noticed in the credits this time that this is based on a play, I guess, or some um, playwright, which makes sense because there's, you know, like Catherine has long speeches mm-hmm. um, where either she's just ret- like introspectively, you know, talking about how her first night's going to go or 
um, you know, discussing how she's going to try to seduce uh, Orlo or whatever. And <laughs> it really shows here. Like, there's definitely, um, like, this was meant to give you a lot of information in a witty way. You know, like, there's definitely some humor strewn out. Uh, Catherine's attempts to seduce Orlo as uh, well intended but poorly executed as they were was a great scene. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, just the character of Peter is just so irredeemable. Like, him at the dinner table with the heads was him at his best behaved. <laughs> <laughs> he was in a good mood. He was happy that he didn't have to consider killing Catherine anymore. The way he came up to that decision was so lackadaisical. It was, you know, just, oh, and by the way, I want to kill my wife. And, you know, like, what would be the best way? All right, make it happen. You know, and then just as soon as she kind of showed that she was going to try, he was like, you know what? I won't kill you. And it was like, wow. Like, <laughs> this character. Honestly, though. That in that spot though, this is the part where I think you guys should be pointing out, like, no, yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The whims of a you know tyrannical madman that sounds just about isn't right. quite there yet, but it's that's what he's gonna become. And it's uh, overall <laughs> like I just really dig how this guy can also go super dark, like at the end when you know he starts to see a little opposition to him, and he does not like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's when you get to see mm-hmm. is like, well, I mean, do we really need to remove him forcefully? And then you come to the end, it was like, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we must. Yeah. Like, if we work around him, no, no, we can't. <laughs> well, and I love how they kept mentioning that, you know, like, oh, why are you trying to get Orlo on your side? He's useless. Like, there's a reason why he's been on the council for this long, because mm-hmm. he's a super pushover. And yeah, you get to see that here in display when he tries to display a little backbone. It's like, no, you go back to your place. Mm-hmm. And like, see, I d- I didn't read it that way for Orlo. I didn't read that he was a pushover. I think he's very selectively chosen his battles and played the long game. Mm-hmm. Well, but we're not getting this for survival though. He's yeah. won anything. Like every example we've given g- given to us in the last two episodes is that he's he loses, that he gets pushed no, down. I like. I think the the whole thing for this stuff is like support when you can and get things that don't seem like victories, but everything is incremental. No, I, and I get that. I, I I get that's what they're trying to do, but they haven't shown us anything where he's won a little mm-hmm. tiny thing, like a a small thing to then the beards. They've discussed what has been won in the yeah. past, and I. Mm-hmm. But- the thing is, is I mean, and I think they do yeah. a good job. And Stephen, I do want to get your first impressions. They note that she's only been there a couple weeks, right? So we're not, we haven't seen the long game mm-hmm. yet. But they couldn't give us that, like as people who created a TV show. If they want me to have to have Orlo on our side, they should show me that yes, he knows how to play the game, and thus things will sometimes work out. I think he's him. still a bad player. Well, I think he's still a bad player. To be clear. Okay. Okay, I, but I think he's doing it better than a lot of other people are. Definitely better than the general. <laughs> and you know, I'm kind of turning around on the the archbishop a little bit now. Like I've, okay. I got to see mm-hmm. a bit more of his humanity. And because you got to see him without a shirt on. That's yep. When he when he was wrestling, I was like, no, yeah, he's a man. So, yeah, <laughs> it seemed completely out of character and out of no reason to be in the show. Like, what was the point? I, I think, think it's kind of show. 
connection between Mariel. Okay, and- but you don't need to do the wrestling with no shirt on. No, I think that was that was one of the most realistic parts for that kind of character. Yeah. At the yeah. end of the day, the people who were okay, go ahead, John. No, no, you're. I think you're going down the same path. I was just agreeing with you. I might be going on the same path. Tell me if I don't. But um, like at the end of the day, the people who would have been higher ups in the church, even though they like eschew certain like likes, desires, and things like that, presumably from the outside, um, they're still people who are like they're lords in the lands that they live in. They get to like have a massive role in deciding mm-hmm. things, uh, and they're people of power. And at the end of the day, we all we see all of them take part in their preferred version of like debauchery or enjoyment. You know. And this seems to be one of his. It's probably See, a little bit of a sexual element somewhere in there, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> to me, the scene that turned me was his willingness to do what he could to bless the heads for Catherine. Like, mm. he's not, not going to yeah. go outside of his boundaries. Like, he's not, he's certainly not going to really step up to bat for her, but he'll do what he can within the confines of the church kind of thing and to that so to that point though he did that for her too like what he he normally wouldn't even have bothered but for her he did Mm -hmm. what he did correct so i i do think we get a fair amount of sorry steven what was your impression if you've got oh no no, you're okay okay um everyone said similar things so we i I, I do come down more with mitch though okay (laughs) okay so the comedy is not taking you out enough from the horrors of the history. No, the, the comedy does also like it, it does. It's not that it takes me away from it. It certainly disarms it a little bit, but at, at its core, it's still bad people being bad. Okay. So and okay. it's not even my kind of humor. <laughs> That's fair. So we get, we do get some, different character developments because we've we've got essentially in this episode i think four storylines going i think we have Catherine's going i think we have mariel's going i think we have orlo's going and i think we have grigor's going in this episode um so i guess i'll i will take them in turn um so Catherine's and and anybody feel free to jump in i feel like we get a arc of I've decided I'm going to do a coup. I'm going to need help, but it's going to be easy. Like they can't do anything to me. This isn't, you know, there's nothing they can do to me. I am already dead. I'm as good as dead living to, Oh, he is actually going to kill me if I screw this up. (laughs) And Oh, this isn't going to be as easy as I thought it was going to be. Cause I think, Mariel says it the best when she looks at her and says, oh, you thought a coup would be a walk in the park? Like, <laughs> um, so I do think we kind of see that transition um, through her. Anybody got any thoughts on how she gets through that kind of realization? Um, I know somebody was mentioning her attempted seduction of Orlo which failed miserably um, when she thought it would come naturally to her as, you know, she's smart. So of course she can figure out how to seduce a man. I, I like, are, are we, 
You got this one. Oh, I was just saying, I love that whole scene. (laughs) (laughs) Are we we looking into the future with these things? I guess. Is that what we're... Is there some scene where... Is there something in this episode that really showed you where... I guess, did you see any foreshadowing of any future transition she's going to make as she's starting to attempt this coup? I don't know about for me. For you guys, did you have anything? I feel like she definitely made a decision when she went to the party and pretended to be happy and did what she did to the head during the dessert thing. I feel like she made the decision that she knows she has to play in the shadows, that she has to play along if it's going to work kind of thing. And she has to do things that she's not necessarily wanting to do in order to get the Russia that she wants. I think is what I gathered at the end of this episode. So I feel like you are going to see her more playing the game and doing things in the background over very directly playing on the offensive. Did anybody feel that the transition was rushed from her outward disobedience to her internal disobedience? No, I think prospect of death is very sobering. That's fair. how how, uh, easy to manipulate Peter can be if you get along with it oh yeah which honestly has been my experience with people like him Mm -hmm. how do we feel about Aunt Elizabeth do we think she is more cunning than she is portrayed as or did she happen to fall upon these gems no, no, she she's playing the game as much as anybody else. But why? Why would she be playing the game? I don't understand why. Why does she need Catherine to be there? Because you all you never invest with your own money. You invest with someone else's money. Like that's yeah. like if if she put herself forward to change something or try to snag power for herself, then that can like the. It's equal risk and reward, you know? Um, so if, if she goes out and does that, she can just be beheaded and she'll be ahead on the plate, you know? So um, you're saying for change. I, I think pretty much everyone wants to grab more power for themselves. Every single one of the people that we've seen so far. The only person I think doesn't want to really grab more power for themselves might be that general guy. I think he just wants to be drunk. Well, do they want to grab power for themselves or... <laughs> Did the archbishop say it right in that they were hoping to mellow Peter out with this marriage? Like, are they hoping somebody can potentially just control him mm-hmm. because he is so erratic and impulsive? They both, I guess. In, in a world where things are more mellow, you, you can predict things. You can have like a trajectory set out to even just have like a normal happy life and succeed at what you want to succeed at but if everything's just like chaos what do you what do you do (laughs) okay okay that's fair so moving on from Catherine's Orlo is our next biggest and actually I think this episode is Orlo's episode and I think that's why we don't get Catherine as much Um, Mm -hmm. so what do you think the calculations are 
that are going on in his head. Because he definitely goes from, oh, no, 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 not going to happen to, yes, let's do this. So where do you think were the key sticking points for him? Like, what were his catalysts? Because I think um, Mary, or Mariel and Catherine's conversation while Catherine's in the bath is very poignant. Like, hatred hasn't been enough to have somebody kill him. We need to give them something more. So what is that something mm-hmm. more for Orlo? I don't know. I don't something know. more low. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't quite understand where like where he fits in. Like I understand he's a lord, but is he like the the keeper of money? I mean, is he taxes? I don't know. It, the implication based off of conversation is that he runs the treasury. Yeah, so I I mean, I would guess that if he could keep it cuz like he he obviously steps up to the archbishop and says, "Look, you know, all that money that you keep getting, you're not you're not helping anybody other than the church. It's not helping the rest of the land. So, you know, more money coming to the state is better than money going to the church. He obviously cares about the state. That's yeah. That's the biggest thing that I, I gather yeah. from his character. So his his love of Russia is what's his catalyst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The potential within Russia, I think. Okay, too. why? I mean, because as Mitch, you pointed out, like we've continually seen him fail. So clearly having Peter threaten him and forcing him to shave the other count's beard was the active catalyst. But why is that different from every other failure for him? What made him go, okay, incremental is no longer going to be sufficient. I can't live in incremental. I think it was the mentality. the, the the fact I mean you see all that blood that's all over him I think it's the he's never actually had to get his hands dirty like that before he's never had to he's never probably I I don't know Peter doesn't seem like he might have had a knife to his throat like that before and now he's more afraid okay so fear is his I, I yeah well well also it's just like he he did the game that he usually does he got everybody on his side that usually works but it didn't work this time. And I think he's realizing it's not going to work, that Peter's too far gone. It's not going to work anymore. Um, it's, it is time to do something more drastic. And plus he has, I think he, he does um, not look up to Catherine, but I think he does like Catherine as a person. He does see the potential within Catherine, I think, to be a good leader or at least a better leader than Peter. And I think that also helped his decision too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think the implication. That's what I'm thinking. The implication is that uh, Orlo realized what Peter is going to do to Russia. Like mm-hmm. this whole thing was just a visual metaphor that uh, he's going to eventually cause Orlo to like fleece his own people, and yeah. you know basically cause ruination and bloodshed. Um, and uh, it was essentially stated earlier in the episode that Catherine is Russia. And so this change needs to happen for the good of the people as well. And she's just a representation of that now. So he bought into her metaphor. Yes. Okay. So Catherine runs to Orlo because she thinks he'll help her build the philosophy that'll get the people on board. Do you think that's going to be 
his biggest contribution, or do you think he's going to provide a different sort of assistance to her that she hasn't anticipated yet? I don't think it'll be something that she hasn't anticipated yet. I think that she'll, he'll be um, a strong proponent for the same kind of like more civilized European values that they're trying to go for. Um, for the society because they harped on that in that first episode. But um, I, th- I think th- he'll just be that. And then he also knows the inner workings of things where she doesn't. But I still think Orlo's dead. Okay. Yeah, I think that if, in in the sense of a coup, like, he's going to be great because he's he's knowledgeable. Like, he has mm-hmm. reads and stuff like that, but he's the most expendable. Like, you need the general because he has the army, and you need the archbishop because he has the church like those are the things uh, to me i feel like those are the things that mm-hmm. she's need to have the backing of to to win to win over the people so do you think orlo's dead because she sacrifices him to gain either the church or the army or do you think he just ends up dead because of a misstep like is she going to be the active reason that he dies I, well, I think that he overextends, but he knows that he's about to overextend and knows he's going to die when it happens. Okay, so it won't be an actual betrayal by Catherine where she, you know, offers him up as a sacrificial lamb, you don't think? Mm-mm. Personally. I don't know, Miss, you were going to say something. I don't no, know. Yeah, have a different I, one. I, I'm just, I mean, not actively, yeah. Indirectly, yes, because she's, it's her coup, but. It's her coup, but. Yeah. Yes. Not, she is not the one. Not from killing a, him, right? No, I think it will. I think it will come up to a point where he's just going to say the wrong thing to the wrong person. That will then get back to Peter. Peter will then kill him, or okay. Grigor. He'll have Grigor kill him. Like that's the the point of Grigor and the other Black Lord. Like is to just to be his goons. Goons, yeah. Well, and so that that brings us to Grigor. So we got introduced to Grigor somewhat in the first episode, but really only in that scene where his wife is sleeping with Peter and Catherine. Um, And Catherine talks to him about that afterwards. But I feel like we get much more of Grigor and Georgia's Georgie's George, George. I think they just call her George, George, George's storyline. So do you think he's, do you think they're in cahoots in having her be Peter's mistress to gain power? Do you think Grigor's just putting up with it? Do you think Grigor secretly hates it or is fine with it? I mean, do, all of the above. All of the above. <laughs> yeah. No, like I they they both seem like they have their own idea of the way that things are working, the way that things should work, and the way that they want them to work. Uh and they tolerate each other. Okay. So there's no love between them. I mean, maybe some kernel of things, but they should probably just be friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I do feel like I find it I found it very interesting the juxtaposition between his reaction when Peter basically gives George the nod and then is fucking her in the hallway next to the party that's going on. And he wants the music turned up loud. And then their exchange after George has basically pacified Peter in the woods about killing Catherine. Mm -hmm. And she 
and they have that kind of exchange, like, don't snap at me. Like we both know what we're doing this for. Mm -hmm. So I just, I didn't know everybody was falling in terms of, Mm -hmm. was this maybe something that they fell into or was this more of an intentional play on their part to have George be her mistress, his mistress, Peter's mistress, all of the above. See, and I didn't, I don't see it as them doing it intentionally to me to, it just seems more like a, we have to placate this petulant child or else he's going to kill us. Like to me, that's what I, I saw, I saw it. Okay. So it's, it's not an Anne Boleyn situation where, okay, if I am the King's mistress, the emperor's mistress, I gain power for my family. So my family is okay with the fact that I'm doing something that would otherwise be considered immoral. No, I mean, it, that definitely could be what it is. It just, to me, it just seemed more like a, if I don't do this, he's, he's, I'll end up, I'll end up like, uh, uh, Meryl and you'll end up dead kind of thing. Yep. Okay. Well, which brings us to the last, mm-hmm. I think, major character development storyline that we, cause we're pulling all these threads and that's Meryl's. So she, she's the one who put the idea of the coup in Catherine's head. Mm-hmm. And do we feel like she is regretting that at all? No, I, she like, she's already lost everything that she can lose aside from like yeah. her life and a little discomfort, I think is how she would view some things. Um, but for that stuff, like she got to sow a seed and then walk away and then just let it happen through someone else's hands. I think she's fine with seeing everything blow up regardless of where the fallout actually lands. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do we think she's as expendable as Orlo? More expendable? Less? Depends on who we're talking about. Who like whose view of her we're talking about? I I'm thinking for the overall storyline. Like she she, she means more. She'll be important later. I think we won't see her for a little bit. Okay. I think she's only important to help Catherine uh, navigate the system, like who mm-hmm. it is and who to talk to and how to act in court and stuff like that. Other than that, yeah, she's expendable. But if Orlo serves that purpose, what purpose does she, I mean? Orlo, that's can why I think we see her later. I think Orlo can help in the government sense, yes, but in the court sense of like, who these women are, you know, uh, how you're supposed to act when you're doing certain things. It's that's Meryl's place or in the story. So, but is Meryl particularly good at that? I mean, we see her get beat in this episode because she went to her old chambers to see her. I'm assuming it was her dog that they somehow just, it became their dog when they got her apartment. Which seemed very odd to me. I don't know if that struck anybody else, but no, it, it is a weird one. <laughs> um, but no, um, I think she knows the structures of the stuff, and she knew them before, and she just had them reinforced. I think Orlo dies. He helps her set the stuff up in a government sense, and um, uh, Meryl helps her later be more one with the people. Do we think it's significant because they the this episode definitely played off the fact that Meryl is cousin to the archbishop mm-hmm. and he clearly cares for her. So do we think that's going to bolster Meryl's relevancy at all? Or is that just a side side piece of information? 
both. I'm guessing. I don't think it's a main point. Bring Ar- the Archbishop and and Catherine together. So you do think that she's going to die? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think she dies, but later, seventy percent of the way through the series. There you go. Okay, so Orlo dies first, then Meryl. Mm-hmm. Mm, I would say Orlo probably dies at the end of the season. Okay. Let's put let's put money on it. I buy a pizza. If he yeah. if he dies first or if he dies later, I buy you a pizza. You're choosing. Just no like Michelin star pizzas, okay? <laughs> Spinatus. Spinatus. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, how did everybody feel about Cynthia Mariel? I think my probably favorite scene of this episode was her making the decision, realizing that she was going to get beat. And the line she says is, well, let's make this worth it then. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Pulls yeah. a Mike Tyson and bites the so, courtier's yeah. word yeah. or ear off, or tries to at least. Yeah, I, she's an outward expression of the scrappy spirit that um, that Catherine has inside, but she hasn't been through enough mm-hmm. shit to actually have that be the outside part of her yet. Okay. Yeah. But what I really don't understand is that she is <laughs> handmaiden to the Empress who. I would assume has power over the lady. Why doesn't she use that to her benefit? Like, I don't understand why she isn't off, off limits since Catherine could make it that way. I think well, Catherine that, didn't even know yet. I, I don't think Catherine. She doesn't know yet because they've written it that way. Like I'm just saying, yeah. no, I agree with that one. I think Catherine doesn't yeah. realize her power, and I think we're going to see Mariel become. I think Mariel's going to become more off limits to the ladies of court. Okay. Yeah. And Very I much so. They, and I think they know that too, which is why they're trying to get their licks in now. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um. So, what was everybody else's favorite scene, least favorite scene in this episode? If you have one. Favorite scene. Um, I would get. I, I I would say that yeah, Meryl, you know, trying to bite off that lady's ear was probably my favorite scene. It was it was good to see her fight back. I guess to to the most point. Um, uh, least favorite scene was the killing of the that stag or that was it a moose? I don't know. Okay. When they shot him during the hunting scene again. Okay. I just didn't care for it. Um, favorite scene was po- probably that last argument that Catherine had with Orlo, which she says the line, like, I thought you were a bigger man or something like that. Just like her whole speech towards him, that whole scene was very good, very strong and powerful. Least favorite scene, and I'm surprised, I don't think we've talked about it yet, is the dog and the raccoon in the log. Probably my least favorite scene. I was actually anticipating that being Mitch's least favorite scene. The only reason yeah, is surprised it wasn't hidden by the the log. Like okay. if I would have had to see more of it, I would have been I would have been angry. See, no, the hidden part made it worse for me because then it was just me filling in the blanks of what was going on. So that's fair. Yeah. Did anybody catch Mariel's excitement at that scene? Yeah. And oh yeah, the position between her because her. She's court. Yeah, she yeah. she still was raised in that court. Like yeah. yeah. John, 
that seduction scene or attempted seduction scene. <laughs> I like, and like, yeah, like we were saying, she probably just thought, you know, because she's female, <clears throat> she feels, you know, she's probably just by default desirable, but she still had to work herself into it. It's like, all right, I better pregame with some oysters and, um, you know, get the juices flowing, so to speak. <clears throat> and I, I've just felt like one of the things she said in particular was just so off-putting. I was like, no, that, that wouldn't work. Why would you say that? When she's, you know, trying to lay there all come hither. And uh, Orlo mentions the archbishop for some reason. And then she says something like, oh, yeah, you know, he put his fingers in me. I was like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> that that doesn't help. Yeah. The situation. <laughs> and then it just it, it ends so like just disgracefully with her just puking and um yeah that whole thing is like okay so this is what not to do in order to stage a coup is uh <laughs> don't try this you know, we need to do a little bit smarter about it um so i thought that was just a really well-constructed scene overall just the, the little details about it yeah okay steven i have a scene that i liked i'd like I go into all the scenes that I did for different this. Um, but I really like the scene with uh, the general, where he's drunk. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot I'm drunk. Like the part oh. he's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, he's there. It was fun. Where there's a lot of. Yeah. Well, fair enough. So any predictions on what we're going to see in the next episode? Is she going to continue to try and build her team or are they going to start implementing things to start the coup? Like which, which path does she go down? Is this her team? I mean, for now, or does she keep trying to build her team before taking any action? Oh yeah. We need to get more people on her side. I think she's going to go for the general next. Mm -hmm. Okay. You think, She's going to come to that decision. Do you think Orlo's going to suggest it? Do you think Mariel's going to suggest it? And how do you think she's going to get him? Because obviously she ended up, while she ter was terrible at seducing Orlo in terms of sex, she her very powerful speech, as Jessica pointed out, probably seduced him into a coup. So mm -hmm. how is she going to get the general if she does? I think, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think she already laid the seeds of that when that in their previous conversation, uh, where they were talking about war as chess, and um, you know the general doesn't want to have <laughs> countless men die, either. You know, and I think she's going to use that to persuade them of uh, maybe not being so, uh, you know, warmongering. Maybe you know, have find a way to, uh, you know, m maybe show that reason is a way. Uh, for peace, as opposed to these senseless wars that are currently going on right now. Um, now, the the heads that they brought in to the dinner tables, uh, those were from, I guess that means that they won a battle in Sweden? Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. So don't know if it was in Sweden or not, but it was against the Swedish. It was the against the Swedish, Sweden. Swedish army. Okay. Um, so yeah, so the general right now is in good favor because they had a victory. Um, but I think something's going to happen that's now going to 
put the focus on the general and the pressure is going to mount on him. So I think part of what we'll be seeing here is that as people's livelihood and very existence starts to get threatened by Peter, is they're going to start coming to her or she's going to start offering them like a solution or a backup to say, well, you know, it doesn't have to be this way kind of situation. So do you think, mm-hmm. do you think the general is going to be persuaded by a big and, you know, poignant speech or is she going to have to do something? Like what does she use to, cause like she laid the groundwork in that she's very thoughtful about the life and death, which he obviously cares about. But do you think words are going to be enough, or is she going to have to do something to get the general on her side? And what? I imagine she'd have to do something. I can't imagine what. Maybe some kind of act of self-sacrifice. But at this point, I have no clue. Jessica, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't know, because, I mean, this kind of episode, from what I knew of the history, confused me. A lot. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I, like, I feel like it's just going to go even more askew from history. And so I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know where they're going because I don't know if Orlo is who I think he is from history because his, the, the spelling of his name right is right. But I also feel like his character is a bit different from what I'm thinking of the actual historical figure. If you're thinking of Orlov, who ends up being Kat, one of Catherine's favorites, lovers. yeah. Um, like, but he, from what I got, he is supposed to be that character. Except that character was also <laughs> a leader in the military, and yeah. So I think they've broken Orlov into several different characters in this yeah. series. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what I'm going with. Which kind of sort of reminds me of um, the HBO documentary, or not documentary, the the series on Chernobyl. They took a bunch of scientists and then they put them in one female scientist character for the sake of writing and ease of writing. It was actually like this one character represented a bunch. And I feel like the one real person of Orlov represents, in this case, a bunch of different characters. And I think that's what's completely throwing me off. So I'm yeah. like, I have no idea how they're going to play this. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Steven, what do you think? I've watched the next episode already. So I... I uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. I went, like day one, I watched like four episodes. Why well, you got to break the rules, man? <laughs> I, dude, I, I was just watching it. I didn't even realize. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Fair enough. So... Any last thoughts on the second episode about the beard that's not real? Mm-mm. That was in the opening credits. Fake beard. It's a fake beard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah, right after they put up, you know, Catherine the Great asterisk based loosely, based sometimes on historical fact. Mm-hmm. And then they put up but a fake beard. Got it. I think it was supposed to be a similar disclaimer to like no animals were actually hurt in this episode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which made me think too, it was like when he asked for soap and water to at least make it a comfortable shave and it was like, nah, do it dry. I was like, ah, like, <laughs> see, I can feel good. 
You guys are crazy. I shave with exclusively an electric razor. Like <laughs> I don't I don't use anything for this. It's fine. People who use like soap and other like eight like talc and stuff like that. Like, no, you guys are crazy. Why would you do that to yourself? That's such a process. Well, it's a closer shave. It's kind of ritualistic in a way. You know? It is a closer shave, yeah. I'm also gonna guess Steven your I'm face shit about a closer shave. I'm also gonna guess Steven your face isn't covered in boils and scars that would be bumped No also that on a shave no. by a blade that's probably not super sharp in the hands of somebody who is yeah, I, I, not I, very skilled. That makes my face itch. Just Th- those parts, <laughs> that, that one I understand for other people. I, but like times. the people uh, that are here in this room right now that have the beards, you guys are crazy. <laughs> I mean, I haven't shaved in a long time, but uh, when I do, I, I just use a, a regular razor and, and shaving cream. It's, it's not that big of a process. <laughs> That's too much. That's still too much. <laughs> Steven likes it really easy. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. You can try the burning technique where they just take like a a, a match in a hairspray bottle and they just kind of like singe off the hairs. I've seen that. Oh, that yeah. does not no. seem safe. <laughs> well, it happens. It happens Don't do that. Quick. That's not recommended. Really do not burn. do that at home. <laughs> No, but it, it can easily really burn you because you still have other flammable features on your face and you have face oil. So, yes, initially the first burn off is fine. But if that flame and heat catches something else, you will catch fire. Like, it's just not worth the risk of actual you know, burning. Funny <laughs> is, uh, kind of tangential to this whole face burning shaving thing. Um, there was a Mexican <laughs> version of America's Funniest Home Videos. And I guess the rules for censorship were way different. Um, because you you can yes. have videos of like harm happening and still have it. Fun. Yep. And uh, yeah, the freaking premier impacto, <laughs> like that whole show. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we'll have to have an off-topic discussion about that whole cultural divide about things on TV. Whew. But anyway, um, yeah. So I remember one of them that made me laugh, and then I felt bad about it because I was like, wait, that shouldn't be proper. Uh, yeah, they had so many of like women who would be smoking and then like somebody that would be like fixing their hair with like aquanet or something and then it catches fire and then just the whole head just goes up in flames yeah oh. i've seen that that's crazy <laughs> that's what happened to michael jackson thanks <laughs> pepsi <laughs> so yeah all right on that note if uh <laughs> you'd like to talk to me more on twitter you can find me at at mitchipedia gem gem stands for geek elite media Steven, where can people find you online? You can find me across all social media as either Peppermint Gent or Peppermint Gentleman. Uh, also, come follow, check me out on Twitch this week. If you find me on Twitter, there'll be a link. And Jessica? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. John? I'm on Twitter at Magic Bollocks. Elizabeth, where can people find you online? With the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media, and our Facebook page is forward slash Geek Elite Media. You can also check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geeklymedia.com. Please make sure to go on your podcatcher and rate and review us so that more people can find out about our shows and uh, enjoy as much as you do. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. Geek out. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. 
This concludes our broadcast. 